<clears throat> Thank you much, Pastor. Would you open your Bibles tonight? Matthew chapter 8 and verse 23. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 23. And just, just open your Bibles and just park there for a moment because I have to have, not I, but we have to have some fun before. <clears throat> you know, it has been good to be able to spend some good time with Pastor and his wife this week and his father too and good to see him and we, we love that. We preachers need each other. Uh, nobody understands another pastor like a pastor. You know, it's just we carry the same kind of burdens and have the same kind of fun, too. And what is it that you like to do? I mean, what is it that really gets your attention? What do you notice? And I could tell you some things pastor notices. He notices his family. He loves his dad. He loves his wife and his family. Uh, he loves this church. I mean, he'll talk about any time you want to talk, he'll tell you about Central Baptist Church in Ocala. Uh, he likes to be Emma, I think. And we're glad he's coming back on our board. Now, if, if I were to say, Dr. Don Sis, what does he pay attention to? I'll tell you this. He bleeds blue. If Kentucky's playing basketball, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, what Dr. Sisk is doing. Uh, he's a big Kentucky fan and a great missionary as well. When I was pastor, I had a, actually a relative, a, a young lady, she's still young, in my church, a cousin to me. She married a Marine. Anyway, I'll tell you what gets their attention. Uh, they had three little girls, and they named them Daytona, Charlotte, and Sonoma. <laughs> well, I was back in our church up, up in Landrum, South Carolina, and grandmother was sitting right behind me, and she said, Pastor, did you know that Kim just had a new baby girl? And I said, no, I'm glad. Congratulations. She said, you know what they named her? And I said, Talladega. Now, I was, jo I was joking. <laughs> I mean, who would... She said, how did you know? <laughs> they named that little girl. They don't even shorten it. They call her Talladega. Well, they had one more little girl named her Phoenix. <laughs> you know what gets their attention? The only thing interesting, just recently, they finally had their first son. <laughs> you know why they named him? <laughs> James. <laughs> anyway, I don't. I can't figure that one out. But uh, now I'm going to get serious. I know some of you. If you're visiting and you're not used to me, I, I start with the this side of it, and I'm headed somewhere, and we'll get there in a hurry. But uh, since I'm preaching, I'm going to tell you some things that get my attention. Now, every one of you has something that you like. And it's usually different. We're not, aren't you glad we're not all the same? And let me tell you some things that get my attention. Food gets my attention. Some of you are already anticipating. You're saying, hurry up, Brother Godfrey. Hurry up, Brother Godfrey. We're going we're gonna to go eat. <clears throat> Food gets my attention. If, and, and Linda's about the same way. If we see something that we have not tried yet, we've got to see what it tastes like. And we're hardly ever disappointed. We've eaten, we've eaten all kind of stuff all over the world. I was telling Pastor yesterday, the day before, he would ask me about things to eat. And I said, we were in a really nice Peking duck restaurant in China. 
the missionaries had taken us out in this uh, in this restaurant. They had these big tea kettles, and the the spout just goes round and round. And that waiter could stand like way back over here and pour tea in your cup or way over there and never spill a drop. I mean, it was just amazing to me. And then the, the center of the table is like a lazy Susan, and everybody gets white rice. In fact, if you haven't had white rice, you haven't had a meal. I mean, that's just most of the rest of the world. So everybody got white rice, and then they had a seafood dish and a pork dish and a beef dish and a vegetable dish, and you spin it around and get what you want. Well, we had eaten, and I had, boy, I had just enjoyed that. <clears throat> and the waiter came to me, and he said, Mr. Godfrey, you're the guest of honor. You get the duck's head. <laughs> and he took that duck's head. I mean, they're right there beside the table. He took that duck's head and a meat cleaver right down the middle and grilled it right there. <clears throat> now, folks, when you can eat duck head with chopsticks, you've come along. <laughs> so food gets my attention. And, of course, you already know this about me. Having fun gets my attention. I mean, I loved... I love to laugh. Um, now, I do cry sometimes, but I, I love to laugh. I, I enjoy life. Lynn and I have more fun. <clears throat> I was in Japan one year, and one of the missionaries had three girls that were grown. And the, the missionary wife thought she was going through the change of life. She was getting sick a little bit. and It really was. They had a little boy. <clears throat> <clears throat> and uh, I was out there one year, and I stayed with them for 10 days. <clears throat> and that little guy, his name's Josiah, he would climb up on my lap and kiss me right on top of my nose and both cheeks and call me Grandpa. <laughs> but I guess my attention, uh, but another, I was in Japan another time. Linda wasn't with me. She goes with me a lot, but not every time. But I had preached in a church in Japan, and I'm standing on the platform. Well, this little Japanese girl, she, cl- she comes behind me. She climbs up in a chair behind me. And she's just rubbing my bald head. <laughs> she's saying, kawaii, 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 cute, cute. <laughs> I mean, how could that not get your attention? <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm headed, okay, just be patient. We were, when we lived at Lancaster, California, and I taught at West Coast, one night, Dr. Bud Calvert had preached on Sunday night. Anybody know Dr. Calvert? He's balder than I am. He preached Sunday night. Linda and I went out to go home. We lived right across the road from the church. And this lady sitting there in the car, she looked at me and said, Dr. Calvert, that was a great message tonight. I said, thank you very much, ma'am. I appreciate it. <laughs> Linda started hitting me. She, she said, you didn't tell that lady that you're not Dr. Calvert. I said, Linda, you leave that lady alone. She thinks all bald-headed men look alike. I'm not saying anything to that. (laughs) So I like to have fun. I'm sorry. I know some people don't think you're supposed to do that in church. If if you feel that that way, it's all right. I'm leaving. (laughs) But I don't do it. You know, I don't do that so much in my sermon. I'm just getting, getting warmed up. I'm priming the pump, all right? But I'm serious. What gets my attention? Having a good, I love to have fun. I like to make people smile. Uh, let me tell you something else so that gets my attention. Good friends. You know what it means for me, to, for your pastor to call me his friend? I mean, there's certain people, if they walked in that door back there right now, that would get my attention. 
I think about Dr. Les Frazier, Dr. Don Sis, Dr. Ray Thompson, and I could go down the list, good friends that gets my attention. <clears throat> but have you ever thought, what is it that makes our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ pay attention? What does He notice? Well, let me show you some things tonight. You thought I lost my place, didn't you? Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. And when he, that is Jesus, was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. How could he sleep in a little boat in the, on the lake, the wind blowing, the waves high? Have you ever been in, some of you sailors, ever been in a, case, in a situation like that where uh, it's going up and down? I was, one day I left, where did I leave? Saipan, going over to the island of Tinian five miles across the deep channel, and I was the only non-Oriental on the little ferry. And the waves that they were running about seven, they were about seven foot swells. And that little boat, that little ferry was just doing this. And by the time we went 10 miles around that island, all those Japanese and Koreans and Chinese, they had changed colors. They were green. Now Jesus is in the ship, asleep. How could he sleep in a situation like that? But I've discovered his secret. When you get tired enough, you can get sleep it. You can go to sleep anywhere. Remember this, everywhere Jesus went, people followed him. And Jesus tried to get away. Sometimes he couldn't escape people. They would come. So he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. Have you ever wondered that? What kind of a man is this? Let me tell you, he's the God-man. He's the friend of sinners. He's Lord of lords, King of kings. I want you to notice in this little story what got his attention. The storm didn't get his attention. He slept through it. But I can show you what got his attention. The fear of the disciples got his attention. Did you know tonight if you're fearful, Jesus knows every detail about it? Have you ever, don't, don't raise your hand because I know the answer, but have you ever been really afraid? I mean, most of us, every one of us probably, we have been afraid. and Some of us are afraid of some things more than others. Uh, Linda doesn't like snakes, but uh, we had moved down in the, in the jungle, and we'd been to, we, we lived in a mud house nobody had lived in for like 30 years. And it was on the side of the mountain, and the back wall was leaning down the hill. And in the corner of the bedroom, it had this big crack right in the corner, uh, Started off about two inches, maybe at the bottom got bigger as it went up. I stuffed it full of plastic. I don't know why, because the top part was just open to the outside anyway. But I stuffed it full of plastic. We hadn't been there long. We went to bed. We put mosquito net over the bed, tucked it under the mattress, and we had just gotten in bed and we heard a noise, and something was coming through the plastic. And uh, I got up and got my flashlight, and my machete. And went around on her side of the bed, and she said, Honey, what is it? I said, You really don't want to know. And there was this big black mamba going up the wall. 
on her side of the bed. Now, she doesn't like snakes. Um, some of us fear going, to, anybody like me fear going to the doctor? Because <laughs> you don't want to hear him say, I'm sorry to tell you that you have heart trouble or you have cancer. That could be a very fearful thing. Some people fear flying. We had been out in the Orient, both of us, one year we were in the Philippines, and we flew back up to Japan and then over to Detroit, Michigan. And then we had one more flight before we got down to Greenville, South Carolina. And when we got to Detroit, in the waiting room was a bunch of women. And we didn't know what they were doing, so we started witnessing to them, talking to them. Found out they were sweet Adelines. Anybody know what sweet Adelines are? That's barbershop quartet type music but female version and they were going to Furman University for a concert well we got on the plane we we boarded and it was a smaller plane you know two seats on either side and so we looked at our boarding passes and we weren't sitting together she was in front of me and I was behind her and she had a sweet Adeline beside her and I had a sweet Adeline beside me and I started talking to the one beside me about the Lord and she said sir I am terrified of taking off. She said, would it be all right if I hold your hand while we take off? <laughs> I said, it's all right. My wife won't mind a bit. Linda turned around and waved at her. <laughs> but not only did she hold my hand, we got up in the air, and every time that plane bounced a little bit, she hugged me. I mean, she, this woman was terrified. And everybody on that little plane was listening to me tell her why she didn't need to be afraid like that. We all have our fears. Uh, Eleven years ago, I was back in Africa preaching. We had a daughter about ready to have a baby, but it wasn't quite due yet. I thought I can make that trip and come back. While I was in, in Senegal, where we used to live, I had an email from my middle daughter, and she just had a little baby boy. That was 11 years ago. He was born with no kidneys. Last week, he participated in the fine arts competition in the state of Virginia, the ODAX, uh, ODAX convention, Old Dominion. Anyway, 11 years old, last week, he participated in the preacher's contest for his age group and won first place. Amen. But I tell you, when I, when I got that email and I was out there, when I was out there, I'm just going to be honest with you, folks, it, it was terrifying to me I don't know what your fear is but I do know this when you are afraid Jesus notices it now I'm going to come back to Matthew chapter 8 in just a moment but I want want you to look this sermon that I'm giving tonight it came out one day I was reading my Bible I'm going to go to John's gospel chapter 20 Uh, I was reading my Bible And I do that all the time. I've already told you that. I love reading the Bible. And I was reading it. It, Isn't it amazing how you can read it time and time and time again, and one day you'll read a verse and, I just never, I had never seen that before. So this sermon that I'm preaching tonight came out of me reading my Bible. And I was over in John's Gospel, chapter 20, and uh, verse 19. I'm going to read that in just a moment. But let let me tell you about one other little story first. Not a funny story, a Bible story. When the disciples were with Jesus in that ship and he calmed the waves and the water, Jesus turned their fear into amazement. What manner of man is this? 
In John chapter 20, verses 10 through 18, there's a story. I'm not going to read it for time's sake, but it's the story of Mary Magdalene. It's a wonderful story. Jesus had saved her soul. She followed him. She watched him heal people. She heard his sermons. She thought he was to be the Savior of Israel, the Savior of the world. And just a few days before this story, she watched the Roman soldiers nail him to a cross, and she stood there nearby and watched him die. Now look, folks, we're looking back on it. You remember, she didn't, she didn't know all we know now. And she watched him die. She watched them place his body into a tomb. And in this chapter, she comes back into the garden. Her life falling apart, shattered, because all of her hope was gone. She thought he was going to be the king of Israel. And she couldn't understand what was happening. And she comes into the garden weeping so strongly that she couldn't help tell who that man standing there was. And she said, tell me where you've placed the body so that I can go get him. And he said, Mary. And she fell at his feet. And she said, Rabboni, that is to say, Master, Jesus can turn your fear into joy. Because we don't have it all figured out now, but let's, we know this, we can trust Him and He'll turn our fear to joy. But here's where my sermon came from. Verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week. Let me pause. What's the, what do we do on the first day of the week? We go to church. That's the Lord's day. We go to church. So here they were, first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Have you ever been to a church service like that? I mean, Central Baptist Church, you all pass out gospel tracts and flyers and invitations. You invite your neighbors and your co-workers and your friends and even your enemies and you try to get them to church and you turn on the lights and you have the air conditioning going and, and you do everything you can. You probably never experienced being in a church where I, I read that one day and it just hit me. They were inside a locked room for fear. And I thought, I don't think that's a Sunday night service I would have wanted to attend. I've been in a few meetings like that in China. Not every church there, but I've been in some. Uh, I can't sing. I've got this vocal cord. They won't let me sing anymore. But I've been in churches in China when the, the, the song leader will stand up and say, open your hymn books to page number 150 or whatever it is. And I can't sing, but I can show you how they sing in some of those churches. They take their hymn books, and here's the way they do it. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins increase to bear. And they sing silently for fear of their neighbors. Because a lot of those house churches meet in apartments. And there are people above them and people underneath them, people on the side of them. And if the neighbors complain... Uh, the police will show up and they can go to jail or worse. And I've been in some churches in China that sing silently. But here, was, here were the disciples. Jesus had already risen from the dead and they didn't know that. But still they're hiding in a room with locked doors. But I'm glad it didn't stop there. Came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace 
be unto you. Folk, can I tell you tonight that Jesus can turn your fear into peace. Now, when we work with Muslims, they took great offense when we would say, I have no shadow of a doubt that if I die, I'm going to heaven. And they'll say, oh, you can't know that. That's... Look, folks, that's not pride at all because it doesn't depend on anything I've ever done or could do. It depends on what he did, and I trust that. The complete work of Jesus Christ on the cross is I place my faith in that, and he saves my soul, and I have complete confidence in that. And he get, in the midst of fear, he gives me peace. What, what gets the attention of Christ when we're afraid? Now, pastor didn't tell me all I've heard about here is good things. But in a group this size tonight, there are probably some people here right now that you're going through a valley and, and you're fearful. Can I just remind you that Jesus knows it? And He loves you. And He can turn your fear into peace. Let me tell you something else that gets His attention. Look, Turn back over to Matthew chapter 8. Again, Matthew chapter 8 and verse 5. <clears throat> and when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. Now, I know I'm stopping a lot, but it, it helps us to think. You know, what's a centurion? I mean, what kind of a person was this? A soldier. A Roman soldier. A centurion. A centurion. Cent, that's a good French word and Spanish word. A hundred. He was a leader. Just, I want you to picture. When I came to this point that I'm going to make, I'm going to confess, I had to work not to make this sermon three hours long. Because there's so many examples of what I'm going to say to you. And I picked just two simple examples. And I picked both of them because they were not people of Israel. Here was a man, an outsider, a foreigner. You know, have you ever, anybody here knows what it means to be a foreigner? To go to some place where you can't understand the language, you can't understand the culture. When our, when our northern boys, the Vilets, I don't see them. When the northern boys come down out of New Hampshire, uh, they have culture shot down here. Anyway, I know what it means to be a foreigner when I can't understand what they're saying to me, when they're laughing at me, when it's, I'm, I'm humiliated. Uh, but here was a man, an outsider, a rough, picture this man, a big, burly Roman soldier, a leader of soldiers. In verse 6, and he, he came in saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. Now, let me just give you the Godfrey version of the rest of this story. That soldier said, Lord, you don't have to come to my house. I trust you so much. I believe in you so much. Lord, all you have to do is say the word, and my servant will be all right. Because he said, I'm a, I'm a soldier, I'm a leader, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and I say to another, come, and he comes, and I thought he had to be a Marine. But anyway, that's another. He said, Lord, you don't even have to come to my house, just say the word. Let me show you tonight what gets the attention of Jesus. Look at verse number 10. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. 
You know, that's rarely said. I think it's only maybe two or three times in all the Gospels. Jesus marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. You know how to get the attention of Jesus? Trust Him. Have faith in Him. And here was this centurion. Jesus marveled at his faith. Let me show you one other story. Turn over just a few pages to chapter 15. And this is my last story on this point. In chapter 15, I picked this story because now in, uh, in verse number 21, Matthew chapter 15, verse 21, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed uh, with the devil. But he answered her not a word. This, is, this could be a very strange story. If you didn't know the outcome of it, here was this woman, again, a stranger, not a, not a woman, not a Jewish, not a woman of Israel, but a foreigner who came and said, uh, Lord, I've got a daughter, and she has a great need, and Jesus didn't say anything to her. Thinking question, was Jesus being mean to her? Not at all. The disciples tried to send her away. And Jesus in verse number 24, and he answered and said, I am not sent uh, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. Have you ever been there? Where if you're going to get help, it has to be from him. Lord, would you help me? But he answered and said, It's not me to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her and answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. When you have faith in him, it gets his attention. Now I want to park I want to park here just a, just a moment, and I want to discuss a little bit this word faith. I believe that we're rewriting the American the English dictionary, and I've learned that when I witness to people anymore, I have to make sure they use the same words that I use, but it's not a biblical definition of those words. Faith is one of those words. Everybody has faith. Not everybody's saved. The Muslim has faith in the Quran. The humanist has faith in himself. Now that's scary. The gambler has faith in Lady Luck. The scientist has faith in certain faith suppositions, they call it. Have you ever watched Discovery Channel and the, the scientist is describing how this dinosaur came down out of the hills 10 million years ago and another dinosaur came off the other side of the hill and they met down the river and they were in this major battle and that guy's sitting there describing it just like he was there. Religious people have faith in good works. A lot of Americans... How faith in government. 
I'm just simply pointing out uh, faith is a common commodity. Everybody has faith in something. But Christianity is the only life that's based on faith in a person. We're going to heaven, folks. If we're going to heaven tonight, it's not because we're good or we're religious or we keep ritual or ceremony or we were baptized or we joined the church. If we're going to heaven, it's because we have the right kind of faith and it's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And young people today, I like young people. I don't feel old. I know I am, but I don't feel it. And uh, I'm just chronologically advanced. But anyway, uh, with young people, I often try to help them think, look, Faith is not blind optimism. Faith is not closing your eyes and jumping off the cliff and hoping everything's going to turn out all right. Faith is not just intellectual assent. Uh, Mencken, he was a, a cynic anyway, but I read, I read a statement, and I read it. If I hadn't read it, I don't know that I would have believed it, but here's, I wrote it down so I wouldn't misquote him. He said, Faith is the illogical belief in the occurrence of the impossible. Well, let me redefine his definition. That's not faith at all. That is stupidity. Faith is not illogical. It's not uh, believing in the occurrence of the impossible. Let me tell you what faith is. Faith is in something or someone. It's to believe. It's to be persuaded of the reality of something. It's to trust in, to rely upon. You know, one of the phrases I love in the Word of God, to rest in. I love that phrase phrase in the book of Ephesians, in Christ. Spurgeon defined it this way. Faith is reason at rest in God. Let me tell you, friend, tonight, uh, if you have faith in him, he notices it. How do we get saved? By faith in what he did. Folks, if we are saved by faith, why do we not understand we can also live by faith? Faith promise even. Why do we think we cannot trust him? Faith gets his attention. Now, Hang on. Two things gets his attention. I mentioned fear gets his attention. Faith gets his attention. Let me give you my third one tonight. The fields of the world get his attention. For God so loved the world that he gave. Matthew 9, 36, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Jesus stood outside of Jerusalem just before he was crucified and he was standing there. And in Matthew's gospel, chapter 23, in verse 37, you hear some words from the mouth of Jesus himself. Listen to what he said. He said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Lynn and I grew up on a farm. We had, we had pigs, we had chickens, we had all that. That was good. We had to learn. We had chores and things to do. How many of you like, me, like us grew up on a farm? Anybody here beside us has ever tried to take an egg out from under a setting hen? (laughs) 
Have you ever have you ever watched Mama Hen parading across the the yard and little dib, little chicks behind her, and you try to go over and snatch one? Anyone here beside me that's ever been flogged? <laughs> now, if you don't if you don't know, ask me later. But I've been there. Can you hear what Jesus is saying in this verse? He said, people in Jerusalem, I loved you so much. I just wanted to get all of you. Put you right up here under the wings. Like a mama hen protects the, the chicks. I wanted to get all of you. I wanted to bring you up here. And, and I wanted to save your soul. And let me say to you tonight, if you're, if you're here tonight and you're not saved, it, there's nothing you can do to get saved except trust what he's already done. But he doesn't want you to die. and He doesn't want you to go to hell. He doesn't want you to perish. He wants to gather all of us in. Verse, uh, Luke chapter 19, verse four, 41, it says, But when he was come near, that is to the city, he beheld the city and wept over it. And Jesus said unto them in John 4, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. When you see Jesus in the Bible, Jesus is seeing people. And when Jesus sees people, do you know what he does? Let me, let me show you something tonight. When Jesus saw people back then and when Jesus sees people today, number one, he sighs. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I just want to get, I wonder, do you think Jesus might feel that way about Ocala, Florida? I just wanted, I want all of you to know me. I want all of you to be saved. It made him sigh. When Jesus saw people, he cried. He beheld the city and wept over it. Some of you, like me, may have heard Dr. Sis, Don Sis tell about years and years ago. He took Dr. Lee Robertson to Kobe, Japan. And they took Dr. Robertson up on top of one of those big high-rise buildings there in, in Kobe. And Dr. Robertson looked out. They, they tell us there are about 20 million people in that Kobe, Kansai area. And Dr. Robertson stood on top of that building and looked out and wept like a baby. And said, surely there's some way we can reach these people with the gospel. For God so loved the world. Can I tell you, friend, what that means? That means He loves you. We have to make this thing personal. He loves me. I don't know why He loved me. I don't know why He wanted to use me. But I'm so glad that He did. Jesus cried. Let me give you my third thought. When Jesus saw you and when He saw me, it made Him die. See, He didn't have to die. Because of his sins. He's the only man that ever lived who never one time sinned. His friends said he didn't sin. His enemies did not accuse him of sin. And Jesus didn't have to die, but he chose to die because he loved you and he loved me. And when I placed my faith in him and I realized he sees the world. Now, if, if that's what Jesus notices, don't you think maybe that should get my attention as well? William C. Burns was a man that he's not as well known as some of the other missionaries. He was a missionary to China. William C. Burns, uh, he was a he was a Scot. He went to China and God. In fact, most people know William C. Burns because of his influence on two other people 
Hudson Taylor and Robert Murray McShane were greatly influenced by William Burns. But let me tell you why I think God used him. When he was a boy, a 17 years old, let me just, any 17, anybody, boy, girl here tonight, you're 17 years old. You know what seven, You know what that is, a 17-year-old? That's a teenager. And I'm doing this on purpose. There are people who think that God is not interested in young people. I, for one, am not that way. I believe God still has a heart for young people, and I think there's still young people that have a heart for God. William C. Burns, think about 17 years old, he went to Glasgow, Scotland with his mother to visit some relatives. They had been there for a few days, and now the day was coming. They were going to go back home, and Mrs. Burns couldn't find her son, William. So she begins to walk down the streets in in Glasgow, and she's looking down every alleyway and down every street, and after a while, she sees her son sitting on the doors, a step outside of a home, and he's sitting there with his face down in his hands, and he's just, he just weeping. And his mother walked up to him and says, What else, you boy? Now think about a 17-year-old boy. He said, Mother, Mother, the thud of these Christless feet on their way to hell breaks my heart. Is it any wonder that God used that man? What does Jesus notice tonight? You and me and the people in Tanzania and all those people out there in the Fiji Islands and the Turks and the Caicos Islands and Japan and Paris, France and Berlin, Germany. Uh, the country of Brazil. It doesn't matter. See, the, the place, when you surrender, God will get you to the place He's been getting you ready for all of your life. What gets the attention of Jesus? People get His attention. Dear Lord, I pray tonight you'd break our hearts. <clears throat> when you looked out and you saw the city of Jerusalem, you wept. Lord, I wonder how many of us have wept over our city, our neighborhood, our co-workers, countries in this world. And Lord, I just pray now that you would work in our hearts tonight. Stir us up, Lord. Give us faith. Help us to not be fearful. Give us faith to reach this world with the gospel. In Jesus' name.